yesterday, and I know that many people from our campus served over there. It was an all-day event hosting kids from the community there uh, near our north campus, and of course, a lot of our kids got to attend as well, and all reports say that it was an amazing time. Uh, I want to thank Adrian. Adrian and the BMX crew went out there and did a demonstration for them. Um, we, had, we had several uh, members of the community donating stuff to, 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 to bless our children, and it was just a really, really an amazing time. A couple other things before we get into the word. First is, is this is Noah. It's going to be his last Sunday with us for a while. And uh, why don't you stand up, Noah, so everybody can see your, 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 well, Hannah, you stand up. You make him look better anyways. Go ahead and stand up. Um, just so that you know, Noah is, is serving in the Marine Corps. And I'm proud that we have a, we have a Marine in the, in the church. I'm proud of that. I really am. And um, he, he, he was deployed, came back, met us, got involved here at Elevate, married Hannah and in just a short time, and now he's headed back. Uh, he's being deployed. This is his last Sunday with us for a while, which is a little bit sad for us, and I know terribly sad for Hannah. But we want to pray for, for Noah. Can we do that right now, every one of us? Aren't you grateful we have someone here that, that's serving to protect our freedoms here in the United States? Lord, we thank you for Noah. Thank you for his commitment, Lord, first of all, to you. We thank you that wherever he goes, he's a witness. We thank you, Lord, that he makes a stand for you, Lord, Lord around every where he goes, especially in the Marine Corps. Lord, and I pray that as he's stationed wherever he is in this world, I pray, Lord, that he'd be a witness for you. Lord, that you protect him, Lord, that you'd be with him, that you'd give him confidence and courage and boldness to speak the truth. Lord, we thank you for his service. We thank you for, every, for his life. We thank you and we trust you that you'll bring him back to us safely. In Jesus' name, we pray. We pray for Hannah right now. Come on, pray for Hannah. Lord, right now, I pray you'd be with her, Lord, that you would, you would be her, her peace, Lord, when, 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 when when turmoil tries to hit and thoughts come to her mind, we thank you, Lord, that she's a part of the body of Christ where we're here to surround her and love her and, 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 and uh, encourage her. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I love the Hoffmans. I love those guys. Also want to make you aware of Angel. Angel's right over here. Angel is a, is, is a um, he plays college football in Oklahoma. He's going back. He's going back to university. They're taking off tomorrow. And so this is last Sunday for a little while. So we got some big shoes to fill around here. Let's pray for Angel. Lord, Lord, be with him. Let him be a stud on the football field. Lord, use him wherever he goes. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to miss you, Angel. We're going to miss you, man. We love you so much. Praise the Lord. All right, let's get into the word this morning. I'm like one of the cool teachers. And, 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 and why I say that is, is because in the Bible, excuse me, in the Elevate app, we have, we have message notes and there's always fill in the blanks, all right? I'm gonna give you all of the answers first. I'm one of those cool teachers. I'm gonna give you all of the answers first and all of the fill in the blanks are the title of my message today, which is Unacceptable Complaint Awakens Influence. All right, all four points. Unacceptable Complaint Awakens Influence. Influence. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1 this morning. If you have your Bibles, do you want to follow along? The Bible says there was a certain man from a certain location in the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the inventor of Tofu, the son of Zuf and Ephraimite. Verse number 2. He had two wives. Greedy. <laughs> He had two wives. One was called Hannah. The other one was called Panina. And Panina had children, but Hannah had none. I've preached this out of this text many times before. But basically, Hannah um, is the high school sweetheart of Elkanah. 
he, Hannah is Elkanah's first love, and, and he loved Hannah, he, 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 he loved her so very, very much, but as years went by, Hannah was unable to conceive, she was unable to have kids. Now, that's hard enough in today's culture, and in today's day and age. We know that there, there have been people that struggle conceiving and having kids, and how difficult that is, what a tremendous burden that is, but in that day and age, it's a little bit different because they didn't have things like social security. They didn't have a, a welfare system. And so when you got older, you needed kids because they were the ones that were gonna take care of you. They were the ones that were gonna look after you in your old age. So if you didn't have kids, it kind of put you in a precarious situation. Like, what, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna, how are you gonna take care of yourself as you get older? And so Elkanah realized this, and so he's trying to fix this situation. So he marries a lady by the name of Panina, and what we learn about her is she is able to conceive. She, she is fertile, she, she has something that Hannah doesn't have. She has fertility, all right? But Hannah has something that Panina doesn't have. She has her husband's first love. She has her husband's affection. And, and we know that he always looked past Panina or through Panina. He always admired Hannah. And so what you have happening in the home is this tremendous rivalry. So you kind of get that picture. And so the Bible says in verse eight that Elkanah said to Hannah, she, he said, Hannah, why do you weep? Why, why aren't you eating? And why is your heart grieved? And, and he just can't understand, and so he asks the question that I think a lot of husbands, we, we think the same thing. He asks, am I not better to you than 10 sons? Which kind of gives us a peer into the male ego and how delusional it is, you know what I mean? Like, like basically, he just, he just told her, babe, look at me, you're welcome. That's basically what he said, all right? And so verse nine, so the Bible says that Hannah arose after they finished eating and drinking, and Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And so now you need to know what's going on. What they've done is, is the, uh, Elkanah has taken his entire family and they've gone to celebrate, they've gone to the festival to make sacrifices and basically to party. And, and so what Elkanah has done, and he shows how much he loves Hannah because to all of his family members, he gives them a regular offering. He gives them a 10% offering. But, but to Hannah, he gives her a double portion offering. So he gives, so everyone else is getting 10%. Hannah's able to present a 20% offering to the Lord. And, and so the story goes on that everyone comes into the temple, they're making their sacrifices, and they're, they're kind of like some of us where we come to church and towards the end of the sermon, we're looking at our watch because we're hungry and we wanna go eat. And so the whole family's come in, they've made their sacrifices, and now they wanna get on to the real part of the day, which is the party, the festival, they wanna dance and have a good time. And so everyone in the family has come, they've presented their offering, now, now Hannah's come, she brings her double portion offering, and while everyone else leaves, Hannah just kinda hangs back, uh, instead of joining the festivities, she's, she's hanging back. And the Bible says that, that Eli, the priest, is sitting on a seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, and there's Hannah in bitterness of soul, and she's praying to God, and she is weeping in anguish. And she makes a vow and says, oh God, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor will come upon his head, and, and it happened. As she began to pray, and she continued to pray before the Lord that Eli, the priest, was watching her mouth. 
And Hannah spoke in her heart, but only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Now, this is something, if you know me, you know I do this exact same thing. And so someone, someone will be up here preaching, I'll be sitting there in the front row, leaning in, I'm hanging on every word, and my lips will be moving with the preachers. And my kids make fun of me for doing that all the time, but that's basically what Hannah is doing. And, and so Eli notices this, and he basically, he says to her, how long will you be drunk Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine or intoxicating drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint, somebody say complaint, complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then verse 17, Eli answered and said, Hannah, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you've asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Verse 19, then Elkanah knew Hannah intimately, and the Lord remembered her. Hannah conceived and bore a son and, and, and called his name Samuel, what a tremendous story. Aren't you grateful for the stories in the Bible? There's so, so much great stuff that you can pull out of a story in the Bible. I've preached from this story many, many times, and there's some new things that I, I began to pick up on it uh, for this week, and four things that I wanna talk about from this text, and I believe these four attributes that we're gonna talk about this morning are something that you can find here in the house of the Lord, something that I believe that you can find here at Elevate, and the first thing that I see is this. Hannah had the inability to accept the unacceptable. She had the inability to accept the unacceptable. Unaccept, so one of the things that you're gonna find out if you spend some time around this church is that's, that's kind of a, a, a characteristic of us, is that we're unable to accept the unacceptable. What I mean by that is when the unacceptable, when you're around God and you're around the house of God and you're hearing the word of God, you're gonna find that God is gonna call you to a life less ordinary. That God's gonna call you to a life that's less ordinary because the God that I serve is a promise-making God. How many know what I'm talking about? Our God is a promise-making God, and not only that, he is a promise-keeping God. How many believe that? And so what God is looking for is he's looking for promise-believing people. Come on, are you with me today? He's looking for a promise-believing people. So it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. It doesn't matter what the prognosis is. It doesn't matter what the forecasters, the scientists, and the experts say. They have no bearing on the promises of God. Somebody shout amen. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Did you hear that today? And so as you begin to come into the house of the Lord and as you lean in and sit under and you begin to apply the word of God to your life, you're gonna quickly find out that your diagnosis, your prognosis, all of the forecasts that have gone out are very different than what the word of God says. They're actually in opposition to the word of God. And so you have to come to a point in your life where you say, I am unwilling to accept what these people are saying. It's unacceptable to the promise of God. It doesn't line up with the promise of God in my life, amen. As you begin to, to lean into that, you'll get to the point where you'll say, I, I'm unwilling to accept 
the unacceptable because I've heard something greater. Recognize that there's certain things that Satan is trying to place in your mind, trying to place inside of your heart that are unacceptable, that do not line up with the promises of God, and we've got to be bold enough to stand up and say, I'm not accepting that. I refuse to accept that. And so you've come into a house, you've come into a place, this church is a place where we deal faith. And some of you are very familiar with dealers, dealers of all sorts. And that, maybe that's why you like us, because we are faith dealers, all right? We are faith dealers. Pastor Carl used to be a car dealer, now he is a faith dealer. We are faith dealers. And here's the truth, we're not trying to make you happy by talking about faith. We're not trying to just get you to come in here and feel good about yourself and leave here with a smile on your face, but I'm gonna tell you what, something. When you come into this house, you're gonna hear an uplifting word. It's gonna be a word of encouragement. It's going to be a word of faith. And I'm not talking about some super optimistic, way out there outlook on life. I'm talking about what the Apostle Paul said when he said these three things remain. What are they? They are faith, hope, and love. So there's three things that are gonna be left standing when all the dust settles. When everything else is gone away, there's only three things that are gonna be left. They are faith, hope, and love. And so let me tell you something. When you come to this house, what you're gonna hear behind this pulpit, everything that we're gonna speak about, every person that gets behind here, whether it's Pastor Carl last week, or, or, or if it's Carrie standing up here, myself, or a variety of people that speak the word of God, like Jacqueline and Jen and Ello on a Wednesday night, when you come into the house of the Lord, we're not gonna be speaking hopelessness. We're not gonna be talking about doom and gloom. We're not gonna be echoing the narrative of the world. Are you with me today? We're going to be dealing faith. We're going to be dealing hope and we're going to be dealing love. Why would we waste our time talking about anything else? Come on, give the Lord some praise in this place. Amen. Now we know that every promise of the Lord is accessed by faith. All of the promises that God, God made to us, the only way we get them into our lives, the only way we can realize them is through the conduit of faith. And so if you come here and I'm not preaching faith, I'm doing you a disservice. I'm doing, I'm, some, something is, is wrong because when you come to the house of God, the Bible says, we, we sang about it this morning, how awesome is this place? This, this is the, the, the gate of heaven. This is a place where we believe that all things are possible with God. And so when you come, you're gonna hear a word of faith because when you access faith, you access the promise of God and the promises are available to rescue you. And you know what the promises rescue you from? Let me tell you what they rescue you from. An ordinary, mediocre, second rate, as good as it gets, life. Because around here, we're not willing to accept an ordinary, mediocre, second rate, as good as it gets, life. We're not satisfied with that. To us, that is unacceptable. Can somebody shout amen today? Now you're saying, some of you are sitting back and thinking, well, well, what about in the Bible where it says we're supposed to be content and there's blessings with being content? Yes, the Bible does talk about being content. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be content with what the Lord's given us, but that doesn't mean we should be satisfied. Because I believe there's more for us, that everything is new every day, that there's more, that God's got more, that today, today's ceiling, all right, today's ceiling is tomorrow's floor, all right? So we're, we're, we're always shooting for, for more. And so I'm not, I'm not really you know, arguing about being content. I'm saying, I'm suggesting that maybe we should have some holy discontent. That there, may, that there should be something inside of us where we say, you know what, just like Hannah, I'm unable to accept the unacceptable. Now in our text, what we didn't read is if you read the whole story, you'll find that, that the Bible says 
two times that it actually was the Lord that closed Hannah's womb. Why would God do something like that? I mean, the Bible says that the Lord closed Hannah's womb. It actually says it twice. And so if a theologian in that time was reading through scripture and, and, and was trying to pastor Hannah at that time, the theologian or the pastor would have looked at Hannah, he, he, would have, he would have looked at the word of God that says that the Lord closed her womb, and he would have listened to the doctors, and he would have said, hey, you know, the, the doctor, the prognosis, it kind of lines up with, with what God said, that he, he closed your womb. And, you know, the doctors have confirmed that to be the case. And, and they would have pulled Hannah aside, and, and these, the pastor, and, and, you know, he would have had a good heart about the whole thing, but he, he would have said something like, like Hannah, you know, we don't understand why the Lord does what he does. The Lord moves in mysterious ways. And for whatever reason, the Lord has decided to close your womb. And, and though we don't know why the Lord has chosen to do this, we know that he's with us even in the darkest of times. Hannah, we know that in the midst of this difficulty and in the midst of this pain, even though we don't understand, we believe God is good. We believe that God is sovereign. Perhaps God's will for thee is for thee not to be able to, for thou not to be able to have children and uh, maybe so that you can understand the suffering of Christ as he suffered on the cross. I mean, that's probably would have been some lame excuse that someone would have tried to tell her. But Hannah's like, I'm not going to accept that. All right, all right, all right. I know the Lord closed my womb, but you're telling me that the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who created the universe, the cosmos, spun the whole thing, made it all work, created everything with just his word, the, the, the God, that, that same God closed my womb. I'm sure he has the skill set required to open it. Therefore, I am unwilling to accept the fact that he's closed my womb and not, not, not able to believe that he can now open it again. If my kids open the refrigerator, I expect them to close it. Because if they leave it open, it's gonna go beep, 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 right? And what's it saying? I, I, you left me open, you left me open. I expect them to close. Listen, if God closed Hannah's womb, then he sure has the ability to open it up again. And so Hannah is believing, she's expecting, she is expecting God to open up her womb. She's not gonna accept the fact that her womb is closed. And here's the thing, when you get into the word of God, you'll, you'll begin to have that same type of attitude that says, I am unwilling. I will not stand by and accept the unacceptable. I'm not going to be okay with anything less than God promised me. So I'm not, I'm not accepting a mediocre marriage. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to just live in the same house. And just kind of get by and just, just kind of let year after year roll by with just an average, okay, we're still together, at least we're still together type of marriage. That is not acceptable, and I refuse to accept that for my life. I, I refuse to live with torment. I, I refuse to be filled with worry and anxiety. I refuse to allow the enemy to destroy my mind, being, being, being full of, of, of being scared and full of fear. That's unacceptable to me. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I refuse, it's unacceptable for me to live with the diagnosis that the doctor just gave me. I, I refuse to live with sickness. I refuse to live with pain. It's unacceptable. My God is a healer. He says, by his strength, 
stripes. I was healed. It's past tense. It's already been done. I refuse to, to accept the unacceptable. I refuse as a parent to accept the fact that I have a wayward son or daughter. Yeah, they may have departed from the faith right now, but I believe that they will be taught by the Lord. I believe that they will grow up and be planted in the house of the Lord. I refuse to accept the unacceptable. I refuse to eke my way through life, living paycheck to paycheck, struggling to make ends meet. I don't serve a God of lack. I serve a God that provides for all of my needs. He's rich. He's got everything that I need. And so, you know what? I may have to struggle right now, but I'm going to give anyway. And I believe that God's going to meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm not going to accept the unacceptable. Come on. Is anybody with me today? I won't accept it. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not going to accept it. So Hannah made up her mind. She says, I'm not going to accept the unacceptable. And so she goes to work. And the first thing that she does is she brings a complaint. This is point two. We have a choice. When something's unacceptable to us, we can sit back and be complacent about it, or we can issue a complaint. And the place of your, your complaint is the important part. You see, a lot of us, we have things in our lives that are unacceptable, but we issue our complaint everywhere else but where it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like we, we just start complaining. We complain to our girlfriends about our husband. You know, he just doesn't do anything around the house. I pick up his underwear every day. His towel's on. The, we complain about our husband. We issue that complaint. He's just not the man that I wanted. He's not the man of God that I need. We'll issue that complaint to everyone else. All right? Or, or maybe we'll take our complaint to social media. And we'll just post all of the, the, all of the anti-government, anti-vaccine, anti-all the things that are going on. We'll post it all, all of our complaint. We'll put it all over online. But what Hannah does, the power is that Hannah doesn't decide to, to complain everywhere else. Hannah brings her complaint to the house of God. She brings her complaint to the Lord. She comes to the Lord and brings a complaint. Let me tell you something. Change doesn't happen until you hit complaint. It doesn't happen until you hit a complaint. And let me tell you something, here at Elevate Ministries, we're not delusional. We know that the world is broken. We live in a messed up culture. And so when you sit in this house, you're gonna recognize we're not afraid to speak out about it. Last week, Pastor Carl did a, a, a fantastic job talking about the environment, the culture that, that we are in. We do have a little bit of a rail against the wickedness of our culture, and we're not afraid to speak it out. We'll complain about it a little bit because we're not accepting it in our life. We're not allowing it to enter our family. We're not going to allow it to be part of our culture. Do you know what I'm talking about? So we're not going to allow the narrative of the world to enter our language. We're gonna, not going to allow the complaint of the world to become our complaint. Instead, we're going to take our complaint where it belongs. We're going to bring it to the house of God. Because we're not going to back down from a system that's trying to present tyrannical garbage to our, to our lives. We're, we're not going to stand by and allow a, an oppressive, controlling full of nonsense narrative that would try to hijack our kid's mind, you, you'll find that in this house, there's going to be a complaint. We're going to issue a complaint, but we're going to do it in the right place. Nothing changes into your, in your life until you bring the complaint where it needs to be brought. We bring it to the house of God. We bring it to the house of God. Somebody say amen. You see this all throughout scripture. One of the stories I've always been a little bit confused about, and, and I've actually preached it. I think I've done it wrong. Actually, I think Gideon is going to come up to me in heaven and say, dude, you did me wrong. You did me dirty. 
Because the Bible talks about Gideon and judges. Gideon was one of God's judges. God used Gideon mightily. But basically in the story, Gideon is, is, is just a guy. He's trying to provide for his family. He, he, he's, he's out there planting, he's out there working. He's trying, to, he's trying to build a life. But every time it gets close to the harvest, all the Midianites, these, these demonic terrorists, come flying through and steal everything he has. Not only his stuff, but all of God's people, they just get ripped off. And so we read about Gideon, and, and Gideon is, is, is in, the, in the scripture in Judges 6, all of a sudden Gideon's going before the Lord, and it sounds like he's just being a wuss. It sounds like he's just whining, where are the miracles I heard about? That's how I always read it. When I, I'm reading the scripture, where, where are all the miracles our fathers told us about? Has the Lord not forsaken us? And so I picture Gideon like this little whiny, you know, you know just, a, just a, a little, I'm, I'm thinking do something about it. But I realized that's exactly what he's doing. He's, he's got a complaint, something in his life that's unacceptable to him, and he's bringing the complaint to God. And, and, and originally I thought God would come down, the angel would come and slap him across the face and get your act together and get out there and fight. That's kind of how I pictured it. But really what happens is, is the angel comes swooping in and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And all of a sudden it began to hit me this week is that what the angel saw as Gideon began to complain before the Lord about his situation, all of a sudden the angel's like, finally, someone's pushing back. Finally, someone's saying, enough with this. I, I, this is unacceptable to me. Enough with the oppression. Enough with the poverty. Enough with the struggle. Enough with the lack. Enough with this tyrannical overreach trying to take my stuff. I'm going to complain before the Lord. And let me tell you something. When you come into this house, there's going to be an elevation of a complaint. We're going to bring it to the Lord. I'm not going to accept what is unacceptable. Come on, somebody. Say amen today. And when we bring a complaint to the Lord, what, we, what, we, what you're gonna find out is God is a response God. And so you can see that in the, in the storm. So the disciples, they're in a boat with Jesus. They're out in the middle of, of this, this lake and all of a sudden, this massive storm hits. Waves are, are, are overtaking the boat. All kinds of water's pouring in. So that you've got the 12 disciples, they're freaking out. I mean, some of these guys are experienced sailors, fishermen. And now they're even, they're even freaking out. They're, all of them, you can picture them with buckets just bailing water, you know, just trying to survive. They're probably slipping curse words and everything else, just, just trying to stay afloat. And, and all of a sudden they realize Jesus is nowhere to be found. They're looking around, it's only 12 of them. They're, they're, trying, they're, they're, they're trying desperately to live. And meanwhile, Jesus isn't there and someone says, where's Jesus? So finally someone goes down the the Bible says in Mark chapter four that, that, that someone's down and here's Jesus, he find him, he's asleep in the stern of the boat. Can you picture this? Massive storm, Jesus just comfortably sleeping and, and, and the Bible says that they awoke him and said, teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? And some just, you know, just like this story, sometimes I've found that it seems like Jesus is asleep in my storm. Come on, has anybody ever, ever, ever kind of felt like that? Like, all hell's breaking loose in my family. Everything's falling apart around me. You know, I've got, I've got, I've got financial problems. I, my, my marriage is falling apart. And it just seems like no, God's nowhere to be found. Has anybody ever been there before? Only me. Okay, only me. One others. Okay. No, I think all of us have felt like that, right? 
We felt like, man, it just seems like everywhere I turn, there, there, there's, a, there, that, 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 there's this massive storm and everything's falling apart and I'm, I'm trying, I'm doing the best I can just to stay afloat and, and it seems like God is nowhere to be found, God, God is sleeping. And I found that sometimes, oftentimes even, God will be asleep in the middle of my storm. And, and here's the thing, it's not because he's tired. Like God doesn't need sleep. God's not tired, and it's not because he's ignorant to what's going on. God knows everything that's going on in our lives. How many know that? He knows, he knows everything about us. So, so I don't think Jesus goes to, goes to sleep because he's tired or because he's ignorant. I think he's just a little puzzled. I think he's puzzled why we just keep putting up with whatever we're putting up with without actually doing what is the fourth point today, our third point today, which is awaken God in your life. And so we, we, we come to a place in our lives where we're unwilling to accept the unacceptable. And that causes us to present a complaint to God. Why are we drowning? This is stupid. I can't believe this is happening. And then third, just, in, in, just kind of in sync with that, we awaken God in our lives. The disciples went down in Mark 4, and the Bible says they awoke him. What we're trying to teach you here at Elevate is to how to wake God up. We're trying to teach you how to wake God. Why do we have Saturday morning prayer meetings that you can attend either in person or online? Why, why do we do that? Why do we gather like that? It's because we're trying to teach you how to wake God up. God is a response God. Why do we have a Bible reading plan where we encourage you every day to pick up the word of God and, and see what God is saying to, to you and have daily encounters in God's words? Why are we doing that? Because we wanna teach you how to awaken God in your life, how to, how to wake God up. All through the Bible, you'll find that God is a response God. And here's the thing, God created you and I to have a free will. You can see that all the way back in the garden, God gave Adam and Eve a free will. And how do we know this? How do, how do we know he gave them a free will? Because it wasn't God's will for Adam to eat from the tree, but he did it anyways. In his, in his free will, he, he ate from the tree. That wasn't God's will, that was Adam's will. And how many you know, the, the will that God's given us is strong. It's a strong, it's not God's will for someone to be drunk and get behind the wheel and take, take, take out an entire family drunk. That's not God's will that that would take place. That's the will of man that's overpowering God's will. Are you with me today? Man's will is powerful and it has the ability to shut down the purposes of God for your life. But here's the thing. If, if the will of man has the power to shut down God's purpose, it also has the power to engage God in the purposes of your life. Can somebody say amen? And so we, here at Elevate, we're trying to teach people how to get to a place where you can engage God because we know in James 4, it says, if we draw near to him, what does he do? He draws near right back to us. And you'll, you'll see over and over again where this is the case. It reminds me of a story where Jesus... He's walking along. We know that Jesus had a, had a mission that he was on. He was a busy guy. He's, he's trying to save the world in three very short years. And so everywhere he was going, he was going on purpose and he was going, he, he, had, a, he had a little bit of a, a bounce to his step. There was a little bit of urgency to it. And, and the Bible says that, that Jesus is moving along one day and he would have passed by had it not been for a blind man that was yelling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Over and over again, as Jesus is making his way to his next place, his next assignment, here's this blind man screaming out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And I love how the Bible describes what Jesus does, that he just stops. That he's moving along at a, at a, at a frantic pace, and the Bible says that he just stops. You see, we serve a God that's a response God. And sometimes we gotta get to a place where we get his attention and we wake him up. So Jesus turns around to this, this man and he, and he asks this, this guy who's obviously blind. Jesus turns around and he says, what, what do you want me to do for you? Which, if I was a disciple, I'd be like, man, is he the only one that's blind around here? Isn't it obvious? You know, he's blind, Jesus, you know, can't you tell? But listen, Jesus never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to, right? So Jesus asks him the question, what would you have me do for you? And here's the thing, Je Jesus, Je if the guy would have said, Jesus, I haven't eaten for a few days, Jesus would have got him a hamburger, fries, and a Coke. If, if he would have said, Jesus, you know what, I have, I have nowhere to sleep tonight, Jesus would have got him, he would have got him a reservation at the Holiday Inn. But he said, Lord, what I want, what you can do for me right now is I want to receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has made you well, and immediately, somebody say immediately, immediately he received his sight. Let me tell you something, what we're trying to teach you here at Elevate Ministries is that, that you, have, you serve a God that is a responsive God. He, he responds. There are things that you can do to wake God up to your situation. I want to tell you something. Some of you are in a storm right now. Let me encourage you this morning. It's time to wake God up, all right? How do I do that, Pastor Adam? Well, you do that through prayer. You do that by speaking out in faith. You do that by knowing the promises of God. We can see it all the way back to the story of Hannah. Hannah comes to the Lord. She, she doesn't have what she wants. She's been wanting a child year after year. She's come to this festival year after year after year. But, but, but before she was able to get what she wanted from God, she first gave. She gave, she, she gave a 20% offering to the Lord. Are you with me today? She gave before she got. And I wanna tell you something, there's a principle there that we need to grab a hold of us. Some of us are in a financial storm and, and we think to ourselves, well, when God blesses me with more income, well then I'll begin to tithe. It doesn't work that way. God gives seed to the sower, all right? He doesn't give the seed to the person so they can sow. No, he gives seed to the person who's already sowing. And you say, well, Adam, I can't afford to tithe. What I've found is people that can't afford to tithe can't afford to tithe. But the people that can't afford to tithe, can't afford to tithe. And maybe you can just kind of let that run around in your brain. Let me tell you something, when you begin to give, God provides seed to the sower. He is a responsive God. Are you with me today? He's a responsive God. Does it seem like God's asleep? Come on, wake him up. Some of us need to wake him up with sacrifice. Some of us need to wake him up with, with, with proclaiming the promises of God that are found in God's word. Some of us need to wake him up by, by, by prayer and by fasting, by believing God. This this is unacceptable. I'm not gonna live with this any longer. I'm presenting this complaint before the Lord. And let me tell you something, you wake God up in the storm, he always responds. He always responds. God is a response God. Somebody shout amen. And finally, the last one, we'll have a little fun with this this morning. Number four, live under the influence. I really wish that when I say something like that and I'm gonna grab a drink that everybody just starts clapping so it's not so awkward when I do that, you know what I mean? But anyways, it's just a desire of my heart, Lord, you've heard it, In Jesus' name, amen. All right, live under the influence. Some of you are like, I spent my whole life living under the influence. 
Well, then you're gonna totally understand what I'm talking about today, live under the influence. Eli says to Hannah, he says, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. And so, obviously, here's this priest. He's looking at Hannah, and she's having an encounter with God, and the priest immediately thinks that she's drunk or she's under the influence. You can see this happen again in Acts chapter two. The disciples are in the upper room, and uh, they're waiting on the presence of the Lord. God fills that place, and all of a sudden, these guys are filled with the Spirit. They, they begin to speak in tongues. They go out into the streets. They're speaking languages that they don't know but are being understood out in the, out in the culture. And, and all of a sudden, people are saying, man, these guys, it's nine o'clock in the morning. These guys must be drunk. But Peter says, we are not drunk like you think. So he didn't say we're not drunk. He says, we're not drunk like you think. We're, we're still intoxicated, all right, but we're filled not with, not with alcohol, not with drugs, not with wine or intoxicating drink. We are filled with the Spirit. All right, that's what was going on. So in both times, second chapter of Acts or in the story we read today, when someone is filled with the Spirit, they have the characteristics of someone who is intoxicated. Okay, and so, so I, I started to think about that today and I, I, I kind of wondered, I want to ask you this question. When was the last time that you were so on fire for God that people thought you were intoxicated. I mean, when was the last time where you were living with such fervency? Like you were so on fire that people are watching your life and they're thinking, dude, this guy has to be on something. You know, I kind of like the fact that people think we're on something. Something about that is, it just seems cool. Like, they actually think we're on something because actually we are. Because there is no high like the most high. You know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? How many found that to be true? There, there, is, no, there is no high like the most high. Ephesians 5:18 says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. All right, how many have found that it's better to be filled with the Spirit than drunk with wine? How many have found that to be true? I'm grateful today that, that there, there's some similarities to being high when you're filled with the Spirit than being intoxicated. And so I started to think about that a little bit. You know, actually, Jesse came to me today, which I, I think is an amazing testimony. Jesse's only been here for a year and two months. And since he's been here, God's delivering. He told me this morning, God's delivered me from heroin. God's delivered me from meth. He's put my entire family back together. It's an incredible story. And I, I guarantee you, if you ask Jesse, I mean, he, he's definitely intoxicated with the spirit. Like, you, you, you totally know that. But if you were to ask him, what's a better high, he'd say, there is no high like the most high. That's what he would tell you. There is no high like the most high. But there are some similarities to being drunk and intoxicated with, with, with alcohol or, or drugs to being filled with the Spirit because the correlation is right there in Scripture. And so I started to think about what would some of those similarities be? And I, I talked to a few people that, this week. I talked to Brent about it, another guy that's never, never been intoxicated in his life. You know, because I don't really know. I've never, I've never drank, a, 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 I've never drank alcohol. I've never been drunk. I've never, I've never gotten high in my life, all right? So I, I don't even kind of know all of the ins and outs of being drunk or what it feels like, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but but I, I do, have, I have the ability to observe certain things. And I've seen drunk people. And I've always thought to myself, I never wanna be like that, you know what I mean? Because they're doing some really bizarre things. But I started to think about it, it's really, it's really correlates with, with serving God, it's kind of the same. Because, because one thing that I notice about drunk people is they're very generous. 
They're generous. You know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever watched someone get wasted at a baseball game? That's the first inning. They settle into their seats. You know, they sing the, they sing the national anthem. You know, they're just kind of normal, just kind of, and, and then, you know, someone passes by, the beer guy passes by, you know, beer. Beer is like eight bucks. Am I right? Or is it, it's actually more than that. It's like 12 bucks, right? Isn't it something like that? Eight bucks, $12. It's, it's like four times what it costs regularly. Right? Right? Okay. I'm not crazy, right? Right? And so $8 beer. And so, you know, the guy, you know, he's, you know, he's, and the first thing you could tell, he's like, dude, that's kind of an expensive beer. Like, that's, like, you can almost see him talking to his name, like, eight bucks, that's crazy, right? And so, he, he's, nevertheless, he, he passes the $10 bill down the aisle. You see it just kind of float down the aisle. Beer guy passes the beer back to the guy, right? So he gets his beer, and he's, and he's like, the guy's like, hey, are you going to change? And he's like, yeah, 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 give me my change. So, two bucks, back, back down the aisle, right? Puts two dollars in his pocket. So, fourth inning comes. He's like, you know, beer's gone, need another one. So this time he's gonna, he's gonna take two, okay? Two is gonna be 16 bucks, all right? So, so, so beer guy comes, beer, beer, beer. So he, I'll take two. Beers come pop up down the aisle, $20 bill, you know, passes it down. And uh, he's like, he's like, you want change? Uh, just send me two. So $2 comes back down, down, the, down the way. And then we get to about the seventh inning and realizes, man, I got to get a few more beers because after the seventh inning, we don't get any more, all right? So, so now all of a sudden he's paying for the beer and now he's like, he's half losing it right in his mind. And so he's like, anybody else want one? I got one. Everyone, everyone on the aisle, everybody wants a beer. You know, he starts handing down $100 bills going down the aisle. Keep the change. That's what happens when you're drunk. You become generous. Right? You become generous. When you're filled with the Spirit, guess what you become? You become generous. You become extremely generous, all right? Kind of, kind of crazy generous. The world says, man, you're giving your money to the church? That's crazy. And you're doing it with a smile on your face? Like, oh my God, you must be insane. No, I'm high on the most high. When I'm filled with the Spirit, I, I live like an intoxicated person. All right? Second thing I, I notice about drunk people is drunk people are bold. Drunk people are bold. I, I remember a lot of my friends, I was on a, a baseball team in high school, and, and uh, of course, all these guys on the team, they would all drink. And, and have you ever noticed that it was always the little guy that gets drunk first? Like he's the one that's, because he can't, he can't, he can't hold the alcohol well. And so you've got this little guy that's normally quiet and timid. He drinks a little bit, all of a sudden, you know, he, he's trying to take out on the biggest guy in the room. You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, he's like a little terrier dog, like nipping at the, nipping at the ankles of, of some big old beast. Like, oh, I'll take you on, I'll take you out right now. You know, this little guy. Why? Because, because when you're drunk, you become bold. The Bible says in Acts 4 that they were filled with the Spirit, and then they began to speak the word with Boldness, boldness. When you're intoxicated, when you're high on the most high, when you're filled with the Spirit, God gives you boldness. Somebody say boldness. He gives you boldness. What we need in this place, what we need in this culture is a bunch of intoxicated people that aren't afraid to speak it like it is and have a little boldness speaking the Word of God. Somebody shout amen. You guys ready for the next one? Drunk people take risks. Drunk people take risks. Does anybody follow like America's Got uh, America's Got No Talent? I think that's what it is. It's an Instagram account. America's Got No Talent. Highly recommend it. It's awesome. Anyways, there's always these w crazy like intoxicated people doing stupid things. 
It's just fun watching people fall. Have you ever noticed that? I love watching people fall. And the worse the fall, the better. Like the higher the fall, the, 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 you know, the more damaging the fall, the, the funnier it is. And so if you're, if you're following this Instagram account, there's always drunk people doing very risky things. For instance, you'll have this guy, he's obviously intoxicated. He's on the second floor of his apartment building. There's a pool down there. And in his mind, he feels like he can climb on the railing, use it as a diving board and land safely into the pool he thinks it's worth the risk I mean what's the worst thing that could happen and so he launches himself off of the railing with a big smile on his face jumping jumping down lands on the concrete right why would he do something like that? he's intoxicated he's willing to take risks he would not ordinarily take People that are intoxicated take risks. Let me tell you something, when you're filled with the Spirit, you're not afraid to take a risk. You're not, well, you're not afraid to roll the dice once in a while, to stand up against what's going on around you. Oh, come on, come on, we can, we, can, we, can, we can take some risks. Are you with me today? The last one, are you guys ready for this one? We're gonna use the same story. Drunk people, get back up. You see, the interesting part is, is the guy that jumped from the railing in the second floor and fell down, you would instantly think, the guy's dead. He's dead, he, he, he's got broken bones, his, 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 he, he's obviously pouring blood from his head. There, there's no way this guy, but he gets back up. Oh, try that again, you know what I mean? Walks back up, why? Because, because when you're drunk, you just keep getting back up. You, you just don't feel it, evidently. I've noticed that about people who are filled with the spirit. They get knocked down, but they get up again. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Come on, people that are intoxicated under the influence, they can get knocked down, they can get knocked down, somebody could offend them, knock them down, but they just keep getting up. They, they, they can go through a trial and get knocked down, but they just keep getting up. Drunk people just keep, intoxicated people just, they just keep getting back up. I mean, you'd, you'd swear they're down for the count, they're never gonna get up, but they just somehow, some way, they just keep pushing themselves up, they keep lifting their hands, they keep a praise before the Lord. They may have some broken parts, but they know God can heal them. It's not that big of a deal. They just keep on getting back up. Come on, how many intoxicated people do we have here this morning? How many people today are filled with the Spirit of God? Come on, that want to live a life that says, you know what, I, I, I'm not willing to accept the unacceptable. I'm not gonna accept a mediocre, second rate. I'm not gonna accept a marriage like that. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna accept a bad relationship with my kids. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna accept living with lack. I'm not gonna accept living with pain. I'm not gonna accept it any longer. I'm unwilling to accept the unacceptable. Is there anybody like that in here this morning in this room? I'm not going to accept it any longer. How many say in your life there's an area that's unacceptable to you and you're standing up today and saying, you know what? I'm not accepting it anymore. If that's you, come on, stand to your feet all over this room. I'm standing up. I'm, I'm not accepting that anymore. I'm not accepting mediocre, second rate, as good as it gets life. I'm not accepting that for me in Jesus' name right now. Come on. You're standing to your feet and you're saying, you know what? This is a complaint I have. This is a complaint I have. We're not going to talk to our friends about it. We're not going to post on social media about it. We're going to talk to the Lord about it. You're in the right place to present a complaint. Come on, right now, present that complaint. Lord, I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to be okay with that any longer. Would you speak it out of your mouth right now? I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to accept that as part of my, it's unacceptable to me. I'm like Hannah. I'm bringing this complaint. Lord, all of the, all of the diagnosis, the prognosis, the, the experts have said that the Lord closed my womb. Lord, if it's closed, you can open. Open it again. You are a 
a God, Lord, that you make promises and you keep them. And so, Lord, we bring it. We're not willing to accept what is unacceptable. Come on, speak it out. Yell it out. I'm not willing to accept what is unacceptable any longer. I'm bringing this complaint to you, Lord. I know you're a response, God. Lord, it may seem like you're asleep in my storm, but Lord, I'm here to wake you up right now. Come on. I'm here to wake you up right now. I'm here to bring a shout of praise. I'm here to, I'm, I'm here to present my request. I know you hear me. I know you hear me. I know you respond to me in Jesus' name. Come on, right now. Come on, present that complaint and begin to trust God. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to change your situation. He wants to bring, he wants to bring his promises to pass in your life. He has something greater. Come on, don't look at me. Lift your hands and begin to pray. Come on, begin to bring it to before the Lord in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray right now in this room, Lord, you fill your people with your spirit, God. I pray right now you'd fill these people, Lord, with your spirit, Lord. We're not going to accept, Lord, what's being what's being dealt to us, what's being thrown our way, what's being pushed down our throat. In Jesus' name, we're bringing it to you, God. We're bringing it to you in Jesus' name all over this place. Come on, begin to worship him and begin to love him. God, be with Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. right now all over this room your eyes are closed all over this place your eyes are closed right now you say you know what I'm gonna intercede for an area in my life I'm making a choice right now I'm gonna intercede for an area of my life I'm gonna intercede for my marriage right now some of you right now you need to intercede for your marriage God wants to bring restoration that's you all over this place lift your hand come on lift your hand come on family restoring God's gonna restore your family he's gonna bring it back together come on right there right there right there come on all over this room you say that's me I, I I'm standing in the gap for my for my marriage and for my family if that's you lift your hands up right there come on if someone's lifting their hands up I want you to get around them right now put your hands on them would you do that all the way in the back there's hands up come on put your hands on them right now come on all over this place others others if you see someone lifting their hand right there come on would you would you put your hand on that that young man right there just begin to pray right right God's gonna restore he's gonna restore you're gonna recover all God's gonna bring God's gonna bless your marriage come on right now would you come on intercede somebody pray come on right now in Jesus name Lord we're not gonna accept a mediocre average marriage Lord, you, you promised something greater than that. Marriage is your idea. It comes from you. Lord, we entered into a covenant that you created in Jesus' name. Lord, we want what you want. We want what you created. We want nothing less. We're unwilling to accept average, second rate, mediocre, as good as it gets type of marriage. Lord, we're standing in the gap for a great marriage. Lord, we're standing in the gap for what you want, what you created in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody cry out to the Lord right now. God's going to restore the love. He's going to restore. He's going to, re he's going to, he's going to make it happen. Come on. He's going to do it right now in Jesus name. We're bringing this complaint to you. Lord, it's not what you have. It's not what you've given us. So we, we don't accept it. It's unacceptable in Jesus name. Lord, you can make it better. Lord, you can make it what you created. Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus name. Come on. As the spirit was moving, come on. As the spirit was moving over the water. 
maybe right now, maybe some of you right now, you've got children, you got children that are far from God, that are wayward sons, wayward, wayward daughters right now, that's you, it's unacceptable to you, you're not okay with it any longer, come on, if that's you, lift your hand up, you've got children that are far from God, and you say, you know, it's unacceptable to me, it's unacceptable, I'm not okay with this, it's not what God has, it's not, God wants to restore that right now, come on, if, you, if that's you, lift your hand up so somebody can see, we're going to get around you, we're going to pray for you right now, come on, if someone's got their hands up, come on, get out of your chair, we're the, we're the people of God, come on, get out of your chair, Let's pray for someone today. Come on, put your hands on someone. Begin to intercede with them right now. Lord, we're praying for sons. We're praying for daughters, Lord, to come back to you. Now we're praying right now, Jesus, restore the family the way you created it to be. Let it function the way you intend. Lord, in Jesus' name, we're believing for sons and daughters to come back to you. Lord, to come crawling back to your throne. Come on, let's pray. Come on, let's pray out loud. Come on, begin to intercede in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, our sons and our daughters will be taught of the Lord, Lord, our daughters will adorn the temple, God, in Jesus' name. It's a promise in your word. We stand upon it. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, we, Jesus, we believe it. We're bringing it before you. It's a complaint. It's a complaint. We're bringing it to your throne in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Begin to pray. Lord, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable for my family to be this way. I'm calling on you right now in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Come on, as the Spirit is moving, move over us. Come on, sing it. And as the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. You know, this past week, you know, my wife's been experiencing some pain in her back, just kind of repetitive pain. And so she went to the doctor and the doctor said that she has, she has, which I laugh at, degenerative arthritis. That's unacceptable to me. Anything that says degenerative, that means it's just going to keep getting worse. I'm not okay with that. I don't believe that. I, re I refuse to, I refuse to believe that. And I know that there's some of you that the doctors have made diagnoses regarding your, your health, regarding your body and saying, well, that's just the way it is. You have to take this medication just to kind of suffer through life. That's unacceptable. How many know that's unacceptable? We're not willing to accept that. That's a diagnosis that does not line up with the word of God. How many living under a diagnosis like that let me see your hand come on you're living under, under a diagnosis like that and you're saying right now it's unacceptable come on lift your hands up if that's you you're living with a diagnosis like that that's unacceptable come on we're gonna pray for you we're gonna pray for you we're gonna call upon the promises of God that says by his stripes you were healed come on if you're sick in your body if you're living with something that's unacceptable to you you say you're waking up you're in constant pain that's unacceptable God wants to bring healing to your body right now we're gonna pray for you come on find find someone with their hands raised and and put your hand on them. Come on, begin to pray for them. The elders of the church, we're going to lay hands on the sick. The Bible says they will recover. Come on, let's believe God. It's unacceptable. Bring the complaint. I don't, I don't want my body to feel this way. Lord, I don't have to live with this pain. You said in your word that by his stripes, I was healed. It's already been done. The price has already been paid. And Lord, I thank you today. Lord, that as the elders of the church, as my brothers and sisters lay hands on me, I I, I receive healing this morning. Lord, I receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for healing, God, that comes, Lord, through trusting you. Thank you, Lord. It's unacceptable.
to live with this sickness. It's unacceptable to live with this pain any longer. In Jesus' name, I pray for healing over every person in this room. Come on. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come on, the Spirit move. Come on. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Oh, come on. As the Spirit was moving Come rest on. Come on, say it again. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us. Rest on us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move. Oh, come on. Come on, I want to pray for. I want to pray for finances right now. Some of you right now, it's August first. You don't have the you, you don't have the rent. You know, you're waiting for your next paycheck before you can pay your mortgage, before you can pay your rent. You're struggling to make ends meet, and this seems to be a constant theme in your life. If that's you, lift your hand. Come on, lift your hand. Don't be shy about it. Come on, lift your hand, because that's not that's not that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. Come on, we're gonna believe God for God to bless, bring finances, and bring. He's we we serve a God that doesn't doesn't lack. Do you believe that, or is it just me? I'm trying to help you understand. Our God is not a God of lack. He's a God of abundance. And so we don't have a lack mindset, we have an abundance mindset. God always has enough. He's, there's ne he never runs out. He's always able to provide for you. How, how many believe that God is your provider? Come on, right now, you're, you're in a position living check to check, paycheck to paycheck. You're trying to figure out how to make things. You're always worried about yeah, how's it all going to come together. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a, that's a thing of the past. That's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Come on, somebody say it right now. That's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Right now, God wants to bless some of you. He wants to bless some of you. Come on. He wants to provide seed to the sower. You've been given tithe. You've been presenting offerings. And you're still, listen, you need to bring that complaint to the Lord right now. Those of you that are tithe payers, you say, God, I've paid my tithe. I've done what's right. And God wants to unleash blessing in your life. And you just need to call upon it right now. Come on. If that's you, you say, I need a financial miracle. Lift your hand up all over this room. We're going to pray for you to this morning. Right back there in the back right there, right over here right over here come on anybody else right here come on someone else come on lift your hand listen this is an opportunity for you to get a miracle right now come on don't miss out on that right here come on put your hands on George right there would you do that God's gonna bless you George he's gonna bless you come on he's gonna bless your business he's gonna bless your business the devil's trying to steal it from you we're not gonna let him have it come on right now God's gonna bless your business he's gonna give it he's a God of more than enough he meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory come on begin to pray all over this room come Come on, begin to pray, Lord, right now. We call upon the windows of heaven. Lord, you said that you would open them up. Lord, that our blessing doesn't come from a job. Our blessing doesn't come from the things of this world. Lord, you send it from heaven. Lord, you open the windows of heaven. The world can't tax it. The world can't take it. And so, God, in Jesus' name, we're believing you right now. Lord, open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing. There's not room enough to contain, Lord. It's your word. It's a promise that comes from you. Lord, we bring it before you. It's unacceptable, Lord, to live with lack, and we refuse to do it any longer. Lord, we're standing upon the promises of your word. Lord, we're filled with the Spirit, God. We call upon the Spirit this morning. Come on, somebody in this room, let's call upon the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Come on, as the Spirit said, and as the Spirit Come on, ask
personal, maybe hard for some to admit, so I'm going to tread lightly. But your relationship with God isn't, isn't, isn't one of being intoxicated. Maybe it was. You know, maybe it was. At one point, you were just, when people saw you and you would hear things like, man, you're so on fire for God. Maybe something about you at one time in your life was just, it was infectious. People get around you and they wanted to be around you because of your, your fire for the Lord. You find yourself in the front at the altar. You find yourself weeping in worship. You find the spirit of the Lord touching your life in some crazy ways and dealing with areas of your heart. But as the years have gone on, it just became less and less and less. You find yourself moving further and further and further back. Listen, those of you that know and have tasted the goodness of God, when you felt the fervency that you once had for the Lord, there's nobody in this room that says, I don't want that again. There's nobody that says, I, I, I don't. But something's lied to you and says that you can't have that again. And I'm here today right now. I'm, I'm just telling you right now, there's some, there's some Christian people here. We're not, we're not talking about your, 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 your salvation. We're not talking about any of those things. We're talking about your intoxication. You're, you're living under the influence. That the, what I was talking about, when was the last time someone thought you were intoxicated by the Spirit? You'd say, man, it's been a long time. Listen, that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. Are you with me today? How many right now you'd say, that's me, I, that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. I want the first love. I want the first love. I want my heart to be so overwhelmed with the Spirit of God that it affects everything I say. Some of you, you can even tell just by your speech. You can see how your speech is just degenerated to the point where you, some of the words that come out flying out of your mouth, you're like, wow, where did that even come from? There was a time I would never speak like that. Come on, right now, maybe God's dealing with you right now. The things that have your affections, the things that stir your affections, they were, it once was the Word of God, it once was the things of God, it once was the, the house of God, and today it's, it's other things that have grabbed a hold of your attention and God's saying, oh, it's time for you to say that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable, it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable. Right now, if that's you, all of this place, there's an altar here this morning. It's an altar that's calling your name. Come on, come down here. Come on, come down here. I want my, I want 
first love, first love relationship with God. Come on, come on, there's an altar calling your name. Come on, come on, there's, there's an altar right now. Come on, don't be afraid of what people think. Come on, come down, Jesus. Jesus, come on, call him. God, we thank you. Jesus. Come on. Come on, first love. Come on, somebody here in this room, you say, I want to return to my first love. When was the last? It's been a long time since I've been accused of, of that fire, that fervency. I want that back. I want that back. This, this is unacceptable. I found myself slipping in different ways. This is unacceptable. Lord, right now in Jesus' name, come on. Would you begin to pray all over this room right now? If someone's down here, come on, put your hands on them. Come on, come on. Somebody, somebody meet these people in the, right here. Say, come on, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, first love. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, right. Daniel, come on, first love. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, can we pray together as a congregation? Come on, can we pray right now in Jesus' name? Come on, some of you, God's dealing with you. You're just afraid to come, come to the front. Come on, God can, God can touch you right where you're standing too. Come on, all over this room, Jesus, right now. Lord, right now, we want, we want to return to the fire. God, we want to return, Lord, to the fervency, the spirit, Lord, that we once held dear. Lord, the things that motivated us, the things that we were passionate about. Lord, let it be a return to your spirit, God, all over this place, Lord. Let this be a house, Lord. Lord, we're on fire for you, Lord. Lord, we're passionate worshipers of you. Lord, we're, we're, we're studiers of your word, God. Where we understand your promises. Lord, where we're engaged in the truth, Lord. Lord, where we're complaining in the house, God, to you. Lord, let us be people, Lord God, that are unwilling to accept the unacceptable. It's unacceptable to be lukewarm. It's unacceptable not to be on fire for you, Lord. So I pray right now, dose of your spirit God to fill every man woman and child in this room come on lift your hands in this place Lord ask God for his spirit right now come on Lord we ask you for your spirit Lord Lord fill us from the inside God fill us with your power Lord fill us with your presence Lord wherever we go Lord I pray that they would wonder Lord, what we're on Lord what are we intoxicated with what are the under the influence of Lord let it be your spirit God let it be your spirit Lord let us be filled with your spirit come on lift your hands and say Lord fill me lift your hands and say fill me with your spirit God fill me God from the inside Lord in Jesus name Lord come down Lord and fill your servants in this room God Lord we thank you for that come on as the spirit is moving
Holy Spirit, you're all we want. Stay in that attitude right now. Just put your hands up. And I just really feel like God wants to touch the Holy Spirit right now. I know he's been moving in this place since the very beginning. Father, I pray right now. Holy Spirit, I pray, come down. Fill your people right now. Lord, you see the heart, God. You see right now the attitude, God, of the heart. And I pray, Holy Spirit, fill, Father, God, every one of the people in this place. Fill them right now, God. I pray, God, that what they seen as impossible can now, uh, the minds would be open, God. Lord, their minds would be open. They can see the possibility when you're involved, Father, God, in their lives, God. Father, right now, God, that they would see what's been so difficult, Lord, that you would begin to give them answers when they had no answers, God. Oh, God, right now, healing would happen throughout this place, God. And then it wouldn't just stay here, God, but it would go and spill out into the streets, God. Lord, God, I pray magnify your presence and your power through the love that is shared in this house, God. Father, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this house, Lord. Oh, thank you, God. I pray against every lying, deceiving spirit that's trying to uh, break apart families, that's trying to put people in fear, that's trying to keep people bound by poverty and, 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 and drugs and, and addictions. Lord, I pray against it right now. In the mighty name of Jesus right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. What a powerful, powerful word this, night, this morning, right? Wow. Wow. Uh, to be honest with you, it's kind of hard to stand up here right now. But um, you know, it, it's it just it just it just it's, it's isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing what what God can do in us when we open our hearts, when we open our minds, and we say, "God, just come on in." You know, when God begins to, to speak to us, and and in, in the middle of our situation, and and we open up our hearts, isn't it amazing to the feeling that we get in this house, in the presence of God? God can do so many great things we need to be able to say now i'm not going to accept those things which which are, which should be unacceptable to us as people of god we're supposed to be people that are living liberty of christ and the liberty of christ and the freedom of christ right we're not going to be just complaining but we're not we're not just going to be complacent we're going to complain to god god change my situation help me i can't do this god only you have control and and and, and begin to awaken god in your life in areas where you feel like, man, God's not moving, God's not doing anything, maybe God's waiting for you to, to, to move the boat a little bit, to, to shake, the, shake the boat a little bit, like move the waters a little bit and say, come on. And we need to live under the influence of this right here. The Holy Spirit, what you're feeling right now, live under the influence of that as, as, as you open up the, the Word of God and, and you begin to read, let God just influence your mind. Let, let Him transform you. Romans 12 too, right? See, don't be conformed any longer. Don't, don't let it be the same. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what's happening when we, when we get into the presence of God. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful morning. Amen. Amen. You know, this is why we, we like, you know, we should invite people in so they can experience this, this amazing presence of God. Amen. I want to thank you guys for coming this morning. It's been such a, a wonderful morning. And let, it, let this continue. Don't let it stop here. It doesn't stop here. Let it continue in your home, at work, wherever you're at. Let it continue. Amen. God bless you guys and we see you soon. Amen.